from someone that doesn't like to talk in a microphone like me in just a second. And now we want to encourage them that whatever they say, that we're encouraging them. Yes, okay, all right. Who's the spokesperson over here? Okay, very good. We got, oh, we got some division at this table. All right. We were just talking about uh, the worship and how uh, we are a spirit-filled church committed to glorifying God by connecting the people of the lakeshore with God, with each other, and with the world. And I think as we enter these doors and there's such a spirit of worship. Amen. I've been here a couple of years now, and uh, I sense the anointing getting stronger and stronger. Amen. And I would say, people, enter in because it's a blessing. I've just been so blessed. Amen. Good job, table number one back here. Give him a hand. All right, what do we have over here? Who's, all right, we got a spokesperson. You're supposed to decide this in advance. Just to say, all right, here we go. Read our core value. Uh, God's word, honoring the Bible as our standard for life. Okay. Uh, we see that happening in Gateway Church in that Pastor Ben preaches the word from the pulpit. Uh, and, and we also have heard through many people through the church that they say that they think that God's word and reading God's word daily is an important part of their life. Uh, so I, I, that's where we're saying that, uh, that God's word is being delivered and, and brought forth in Gateway Church. Very good. Very good. Good job. All right. Next one over here. We got another mission statement. There's a couple duplicates, just so you know. Go ahead. Okay. We are a spirit-filled church committed to glorifying God by connecting the people of the lakeshore with God, each other, and with the world. So we had a couple of comments. The first is that just with the uh, growth of the little one, like... like um, Grace. Yes, little Grace. <laughs> who, who, uh, they've been here a few weekends now, and, um, but we, th we think that's great, like we did with the dedication of the baby this morning and stuff, and also with the board that we were talking about last week and, and yeah. connecting people that way. So, Very good. I give my hand. We are a spirit-filled church. All right. Okay, very good. Jeanette? Okay, our core value, worship, offering ourselves publicly and privately to Jesus. Yes. We believe at Gateway we have the freedom to worship. Mm. We also offer the Upper Room Ministries, which is a night dedicated to worship. This Friday night. This Friday night. Yes. And then also connecting to community. Mm. This demonstrates that our lives are an act of worship outside of these four, um, I guess, room walls. Yes, church that's walls. right, sure. Okay. Very good, and thank you guys very much. Give them a hand. All right, we'll make our way around. All right, Josh, read our core value there. All right, our core value is prayer, communicating with God, and listening for his direction. Uh, every Wednesday night, uh, we have a small group of people that get together and pray over the church and its yes. matters and over each other, and it's a very uh, powerful time for us to communicate with God. Also, the worship team leads with prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, before we ever go up and worship, it's, it's always led by God. And then also, uh, it's very important for most of the leadership whenever we talk to just invite God to come in and uh, lead them. So Amen. Amen. So we celebrate our prayer. Absolutely. Very good. Let's give him a hand over here. All right. All right, Lucas. Our core value was uh, relationships, hmm. enjoying authentic community and fellowship. And um, I, don't, I usually am not around here. I pop in from time to time, but I'm done with college now, so that's Good for me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> Woo we can celebrate yeah. that. But there's a, a lot of places to develop relationships. Like myself, I do it uh, as part of the music team, but they also have a Connect 101 where you can uh, 
join a small group sure. or like what we're going to do later on in a fellowship dinner or in youth group for the younger kids. I know Pastor Mark, make sure everybody gets involved there and has a good time. Excellent. Good job. Let's give him a hand here. All right. Who's a sports person here? All right. Scott? Uh, we had the same one they did. Okay. Um, so it was God, core value, God's word, honoring the Bible as our standard of life. And uh, the church definitely uses that as a guide uh, to teach others and by example. It's, it's evident in like all the sermons that are done that since we've been here and a lot of the worship and things are based on it. So this church is definitely based on God's word and it's, it's evident throughout everything. Yes, it's our, one of our most important core values. Good job, Scott, and thank you. All right, who's spokesperson here? Okay, right here, Rolanda. Our vision is to be healthy, multiplying church known for making an impact in our community and in our world. And we felt that uh, in our world, we do missions, and we really liked how we dedicated that every month um, to focusing on that and reminding us how important that is. And um, in our community, we mentioned the blood drive as well as mm -hmm. the... Uh, what would we say? The food drive. Sure, so. yes. Very good. And we are, that's our vision of who we want to be. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Hannah? Our core value of outreach, reaching beyond ourselves personally, locally, and globally. And we also mentioned missions, both local and international. Mm -hmm. We have the missionaries come in, and then we also do the uh, food pantry and blood drive. And... Um, the special workshops and seminars for current issues. Mm -hmm. We had a list of a bunch of stuff. Very but, good. Yeah. And that's our heart is to be reaching out. Good job. Give them a hand. We're over halfway done. Who's our spokesperson here? All right. Keep it up. All right. Core value is uh, being equipped and training to serve in areas of giftedness. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this one is said yet. No, it hasn't. Okay. Um, well, first of all, just pastor preaching every week, he's, he's training us and equipping us to identify our areas of giftedness, um, connect 101, 201, and 301, focus on that, helping us find whether we are fit to serve with the kids ministry or outreach or with the worship team or uh, food pantry, and so finding the specific area that God's gifted us with to uh, operate there. All right, fantastic. Give them a hand here, being equipped. All right. Who's our spokesperson? Dan, all right. We have a core value of generous, and these two were very generous to let me speak. <laughs> yes. Um, we talked about different things like the blood drive, the personal hygiene products, uh, the giveaway that mm -hmm. we did, the True. food distribution was already mentioned, uh, starting a new um, ministry here with connecting with uh, each other's needs, yeah, uh, which yeah. is really neat. Mm -hmm. uh, we also talked about as we're walking in the door, there's just a generous spirit as people are welcoming us. Mm -hmm. And uh, also just that the generosity of acceptance, hmm. just accepting each other for who we are sure. and just loving us. Yeah, so. yeah, good. I thank you, Dan. Good job, table. <laughs> table 12, whatever you are, doesn't matter. All right, what's our next one? John. I love you, John. <laughs> I'm going to need it. <laughs> um, try to get off the path here a little bit, uh, being redundant. Ours is stewardship, utilizing God's resources, yeah. responsibility. Yeah. Responsibly, and I sort of interpret that utilizing God, the resources we receive from God back to God's kingdom. And uh, besides being redundant of what's been said already, uh, I think we have to look at ourselves and see what gifts God gives us sure. that we can return to our fellow Christians and 
the yes. people out there. Absolutely. We can celebrate stewardship. Absolutely. Give them a hand. Good job. All right. What do we have here? Katrinka? Um, the core value of excellence, pursuing quality that is God-honoring in everything we do. Um, we've talked about a lot of different areas also, and um, that there's so many people willing to work in the nursery, the, with the kids' ministry, outreach, sending people cards and such, um, and excellence in giving, excellence in mission support, um, basically whatever the church does to do it high quality, not shipshod, but yes. high quality and do it well. Very good. We do highlight excellence. All right, Andrew, our resident baby dedicator. Our core value was relevant, engaging the culture we live in, and I think we do that by having contemporary music during worship, um, even the flags on the walls. Uh, my mm. wife is from the Philippines. First cool. thing she walked in, she goes, oh, cool, they have my flag. Yeah, because we have missionaries there. Yep. That's cool. Things like the baby dedication, the baptisms on Easter Sunday. Yeah. I mean, that was, I think that's a good way of engaging Engaging the culture. Good job, Andrew. Thank you for sharing. Come on, let's give him a hand. Come on, we got two more. Let's hear. All right, who we got here? All right. The drummer. All right. Our, our core value is joy. Ooh, choosing yeah. to live life as God intended. Yeah, she chickened out. Yeah. Um, choosing to live life as God intended. And, you know, God gave to us first. And so uh, with joy, he joyfully gave us. So we can give back through worship and song and through mm -hmm. praise and giving. And um, so, you know, he wants us to have a joyful heart Absolutely. when we're giving. So, And it's a choice sometimes, isn't it? To yes. be joyful. Yes, indeed. Good job. Give him a hand. And we got one last table. And we might struggle a little bit with this one today. Oh, no, just kidding. We got this. All right, go ahead. All right. Our core value was passion, bringing energy and enthusiasm into what we do. And in all that we do, we do it unto the Lord, and that alone will bring energy and enthusiasm. Yes! And I didn't even plan on ending on that note, but what a good way to end. And we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to, uh, to just honor God for, and uh, we are blessed. And uh, we're going to uh, take an opportunity this morning to be generous, one of our uh, core values. And on every table, there's a bunch of little things, but one of the things on the table is an offering envelope. And this morning, uh, ushers, if you would prepare at this time, we're going to receive an offering as part of our worship this morning. And, uh, and as they prepare, I want to just let you know of a couple really important things that are on our heart as a church that we want to make sure that you're aware of. First thing is that this week is a special week. First of all, Friday morning, we have a church or an opportunity as a church to give 10,000 pounds of food away. And we're doing that this Friday at, with the Gleaners truck, the Feed America truck. And you meet at nine o'clock um, at Grand, uh, Grand Haven St. Pac's church, their parking lot. And uh, we want you to be there. And if you're comfortable taking your kids out of school to bring them, they will be blessed and uh, get them back to school by 11, 11, 15, and that'll be great. The same night, that same night, we have our upper room. Now, how many of you have participated in an upper room before? Just let me show you. Okay, about maybe about half or so. This Friday night 
is especially uh, going to be great. We just know it. Um, lots of different musicians will be added. And uh, we are also, after the upper room, we are having a young adult bonfire and hangout. Um, and we got a guy from Chi Alpha that directs all the Chi Alphas for the state of Michigan, going to be with us. And we're just going to hang out from 9 to midnight, and we want to make sure you're aware of that. Also, next Sunday night, we need to be praying. On your tables, there are little invitations. Um, next uh, Sunday night, May 22nd, 5.30, the youth is doing an ultimate dodgeball tournament, and uh, they got special guest, Kurt Cullison, one of our missionaries, that's going to be speaking. And uh, it's going to be at Fruitport High School. And we're just asking God to bless us in that way. Bless Pastor Mark and all the effort that he has. Uh, there's other things in there. Kids Ministry Day is coming up. Also, next Sunday is Bring Your Pet to Church Day. Now, don't just bring your pet without talking to Pastor Mark. There are some rules. There's some things going home or did go home, uh, so you'll be aware of all of that. And uh, without further ado, <laughs> bring your pet to church day. I don't know. I'm not sure it's a good idea, but we'll see next week. Come and you'll see. <laughs> All I can say is if we get some dog poo ground in the carpet, I'm not cleaning it up because <laughs> I'm a sympathetic puker, and if I had to clean up my own poo, I'd be puking, <laughs> especially someone else's dog's poo. <laughs> and so, Lord, help us next week with the Bring Your Pet to Church Day. All right. Well, very good. <laughs> All right. Are you ready to give this morning? All right, grab an offering envelope, and uh, we're going to ask Jonathan to pray and uh, to bless our offering as we give. And, uh, and then once we, once we start to give, you can talk amongst yourselves for a moment, and then we're going to be right into the Word of God. And, uh, and then, of course, a great tenderloin uh, pork is being prepared, and uh, all the fixings that you guys brought, it's going to be great. Even if you didn't bring anything today, stay. We're going to have so much food. It's going to be wonderful, and uh, that's going to be great. But we're not praying for the food yet, <laughs> because then people will leave. Okay, just the offering. Okay, here, you're on. One final quick announcement on your tables. I want you to grab this. There is a, a flyer. It says, Five Dangerous Families Face Online. And I just want to explain what this is. On June 1st, we are hosting here a live parenting seminar encouraging families um, that 
have young kids and youth kids and even just families in general uh, to be safe online. And uh, Covenant Eyes is the company that uh, supports their accountability company uh, software, and they are doing just a handful of these. We are honored to be able to host this, and it'll be in the newspapers and uh, on the radio, um, and it's something that we can be proud of that we are hosting, and uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. And it's a Wednesday night, starts at 7 o'clock, and uh, please plan on being a part of that. And take this to your neighbors and your friends. Let me tell you, uh, we need to hear the message that will be shared on June 1st. And, uh, and it's going to be powerful and uh, very, very, uh, very good. So, well, this morning we are going to continue a series that I have been preaching through called When Love Speaks, Seven Words from the Cross. And we've been looking at the last six hours of Christ's life. As he hung there on the cross, he said seven things. And each of those things have profound effect. Each has, can, has the ability to impact our lives as we understand them. And the first three words that he spoke were spoken in the first three hours that he hung on the cross. And he made those statements about other people. The first word was a word of forgiveness. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And we talked that morning that we can be forgiven and we can live guilt-free. We can live without guilt or shame because of the power of the cross. We also said when love speaks, there's a word of assurance. As, as Jesus spoke to the thief on the cross, he said, surely today, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. We talked about what it takes, what's the minimum it takes to get into heaven. And if you're interested in taking that, um, that message, we will copy that. We will get that out, as many as that want it. It's online, and you can listen to that. You can take an unsaved person, have them listen to that, and it's a great example of how they can turn their hearts to the Lord. And then last week on Mother's Day, we talked about uh, that when love spoke, he spoke a word of love, a, a word of love to his mother uh, to his uh, best disciple, or not his best disciple, but the disciple that he loved. And we talked about the care for each other, meeting each other's needs. And one of the things we highlighted last week is that we are going to have this posted, this bulletin board of a way that we can care for each other. And that we're going to encourage you to uh, use this. It will be up this week. Uh, before next Sunday, and, uh, and it will uh, just be a great example for us to be able to be connecting. Well, today we got a fourth word, and today the fourth word is a word of substitution. At noon, Jesus is hanging on the cross. Everything gets dark. God covers the earth with darkness for the last three hours of Christ's suffering and we see in Matthew chapter 27, and I want you to turn with me. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. You can grab one. Uh, feel free to do that. You can also follow along almost word for word, at least in the NIV, in Mark chapter 15. But for our sake, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 25. Listen. I'm sorry, you got it. 27, verses 45 and 46. And listen to, to these words. It says, From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over the land. Those are the last three hours of Christ's life um, before he died. It says, About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabatani, which means, My God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? Darkness fell. The word there in the Greek is skatos, which means obscurity. We don't know what happened at that moment, but we understand that either a cloud came in or a storm, or maybe some people even said maybe an eclipse, but for three hours, it's hard to imagine. And at that moment, he cries out. In the Greek, it means that he screamed out the most agonizing word on the cross, a word of substitution. A shocking word. He says, why have you forsaken me? Talking to his heavenly father. When I looked up that word forsaken and what that means, it means to be deserted or to be rejected, to be abandoned, to be let go, to be forsaken. And boy, this morning, there are many of us here that have felt that before in our lives, maybe a sense of abandonment. We understand, we know, we're familiar with that feeling at times. Maybe we've been abandoned by a spouse. Maybe we've been abandoned by a parent as a child. Or maybe we were abandoned by a girlfriend or a boyfriend. I only had two girlfriends. And the first one really doesn't even hardly count. But my first girlfriend, her name was Tara. And Tara, I, don't, I think I told you that last week, didn't I? <laughs> and I was thinking about that. And uh, she came back from spring break one year, and she decided she didn't like me anymore. And I felt rejected, and I felt abandoned. And I don't know why I'm sharing that this morning. It's not even in my notes, but let me stick to my notes. Think about a child. <laughs> you know, we hear stories of a child, you know, left at the doorsteps of someone, you know, the, the sense of abandonment that was there. But think about Jesus. The last 24 hours of his life, he was progressively abandoned. First by Judas, who at the Last Supper, he slips out knowing that he's going to betray Jesus. Then all the disciples except John, the one he loved, have deserted him, have left him. And now God, God, what's going on here? What's going on is that Jesus became a substitute for us. He took the penalty for my sin. Everything that I have done or will do was taken on his shoulders. He died in my place and in your place. He substituted himself for guilt. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We understand what Jesus did for us. Verse 2, it says, Jesus was the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The atoning sacrifice. What does atonement mean? It means a payment for damages done. The idea that if you were to break something, you are responsible to fix it. If you are to, uh, to take something, you need to pay it back to satisfy the law. If you get in a car wreck, for example, and it's your fault, the atoning sacrifice would be that you would satisfy the law, that your, your insurance would fix it, and if you didn't have insurance, that you would pay for the damages. It's what justice demands. And what justice demands, Jesus did that. He is our atoning sacrifice for our sins. So Jesus is this. You say, well, how, how does he do that? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says that God, he chose, he made him who was no sin 
to be sin for us so that in him we might become righteousness in God. Wow. Jesus paid. He was our substitute. And when love spoke from the cross, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, he, there was a separation, which we'll see here in a second, but he took the weight of our sin. He was a substitute. And I want to look at what this teaches this morning to us. And then what should be our response? The first thing it teaches us when we look at those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The first thing it teaches us is that God is holy. God is holy. Revelation 4.8 says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. 100% pure, 100% untainted or uncorrupted, 100% perfect. One of our core values is worship, and I think the table over here had it. And Jeanette, you said it so well, that, that we worship in spirit and in truth, and, and, and uh, we do that, but only a God who is holy, who is perfect, is worthy to be worshiped. Would you agree? Amen. Yeah. And because he's perfect, because there's no fault on God's side, God cannot stand evil. Habakkuk 1.13 says this, says, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Talking about God. Let me read that again. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. And we understand because of that, there is no sin allowed in heaven. No wrong, no suffering, no sadness. Why? Because God is perfect. He's perfect. So on the cross, as Jesus is taking every sin of all mankind, your sin, my sin, the sins of history, every rape, every murder, every molestation, every act of slavery, every lie, every disloyalty, every betrayal, racism, uh, guilt of the guilt of the Holocaust. And he, I was thinking this week, he was even taking the sin of Osama bin Laden on his shoulders. And God, in that moment, had to look away because he's holy. And Jesus says, my God, my God. He doesn't address God as his father at that moment. Two other times on the cross, he says, Father, Father, forgive him. Father, uh, another one we're going to look at. But why does he say, my God, my God, and doesn't address him as a father? The relationship at that moment is broken. We understand the Trinity to be perfect unity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But at this moment in history, bam, there was a separation because God's holiness stepped back and said, I can't be a part of this. I'm thankful for God's holiness. And in that moment, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He screams it out because God is holy. God is holy. God is holy. The second thing it teaches us is that sin is ugly. Sin is ugly. Now in our society, 
<laughs> sin is cool sometimes. It's accepted or certainly tolerated. Sometimes it's even celebrated. It looks attractive. It looks popular. And I'm not just talking about, you know, uh, for young people, even for adults. If we admit it, uh, sin at times is tempting. It's appealing. It's pleasing. And what's crazy is that in our culture, the, the media or the things that we read or the things that we see, we very seldom see the consequences of sin. So you might be watching a show or a movie where, where the parents are broke up and you don't see the pain that the kids experience. Do you understand what I'm saying? You may see you know, uh, uh, a situation where there's great abuse of drugs and alcohol and you don't see the heartache that's behind that in those moments many times. If you want to see the true effect of sin, that sin is ugly, look at the cross. And at that moment, the worst moment of history for Jesus, he takes the weight of the, weight of the world and God turns his eyes. He can't even look upon his own son. Listen, sin is ugly. It alienates. Jesus feels separated from God at this moment. He feels alienated. He says, where have you gone? It also breaks the relationship. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 59. This is incredible. Listen to what it says. We'll start in verse 1. It says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. Thank the Lord for that. Nor his ear too dull to hear. But then there's this big but. It says, but your iniquities, your sin. You can put your name in there. My sins have separated me from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. And that's certainly what happened for Jesus on the cross. We understand that sin is ugly. It alienates it. It breaks a relationship. It can cause distress, emotional stress. All symptoms of unrecognized and unresolved conflict with God. Think about what sin does. It causes us to worry, to fear, to doubt. It causes all kinds of guilt and shame. It causes resentment, loneliness, insecurity, low self-esteem. The list could go on and on. The fact is, is that sin is ugly. And the cross shows us how serious and how destructive sin is. Does that make sense? God is holy. Sin is ugly. The third thing it teaches is that salvation is costly. You going to heaven cost God a lot. The fact that you were able to surrender your life to God and say, God, please forgive me, that cost God everything. Salvation is a free gift. We understand that. We, that we, it's freely given, but it is not cheap. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 25 and 26 says this. It says, God presented him, Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement. There's that word atonement again. Through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Verse 26 says, He did it to demonstrate His justice at the present time. So as to 
be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Now let me explain it with a popular story. Maybe you've heard this before. Have you heard the story of the two classmates that were studying law together? They went through law school, took the bar exam, they both passed, and then kind of went their separate ways. They were great friends. Lived in the same community, but the one guy got a, a, a good job, the other guy struggled, never found a job, ended up getting himself in all kinds of trouble, turned to drugs and alcohol and other things. He, would, uh, he ended up getting caught uh, stealing, stealing auto theft, ends up going to court, and who's the judge? His friend from way back in school. You may have heard this story, and what happened is that these guys, they, the, everyone in the courtroom was wondering, you know, is he going to be easy on them? Is he going to go hard on them? What is he going to say? Well, as they, the jury went on, the, the, uh, or the judge decided at the end, he gave the most severe punishment that the law would allow. And he lowered the hammer. But then, the guy that was the judge got down, went down, and he paid the bill for his friend. And in that moment, it just is a picture of justice and mercy. And that's exactly what Christ did for us. And he does for us. Is that we deserve to pay. Salvation is costly. But, because Jesus said, I'll be punished, I'll pay. 100% God's idea. He says, I'll pay. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Never think that salvation was not costly. So what's our response? There's four quick things I want to look to. Each of them have a, a scripture that we'll highlight. The first thing is in Romans chapter 3, verse 22. It says this, it says, This righteousness from God comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. Our response to Jesus being on the cross our response to those agonizing words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To understand that sin is ugly, that God is holy, that salvation is costly. The response for us is that we must believe. We need to turn from our sins. We need to put our trust and our faith in Jesus. You say, well, what if I don't? What if I didn't do that? Well, look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter uh, chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I don't, I thought I marked it in my Bible. Maybe not. It says, essentially, that if we are to reject salvation, that there is no alternative. There is no hope if we reject. There is no other way to be saved. And we need to understand that. We need to grapple with that. And so we encourage each other that we need to believe. The second thing in Romans chapter 5, just a, a couple, uh, just a page over from 
uh, Romans 3. Romans chapter 5, we need to learn to rejoice. Verse 11 says, not only this, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have been received, we have received reconciliation. We are to rejoice. We are to live in a state of gratitude. We are to thank God for what He has done. Amen? How could you not love Jesus? He deserves our total love, our total gratitude, our total appreciation. Let's just take a moment and thank God. Out loud, with our words, let's give God the praise and the glory that He deserves before we go on. Let's do that together. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, God. You are awesome, God. We thank you, Lord. Oh, God, we honor you, Lord. We rejoice because of your salvation. Our response to you for being on the cross is joy and gratitude. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. The third thing, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 or 18 to 19. Listen to what it says. It says, God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. The ransom he paid was not in gold or silver. He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. We what is our response to Jesus being on the cross? We need to remember the cost. We need to remember the cost of sin. And the last thing we need to understand, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Turn with me there. We need to understand God's heart and our responsibility. Listen to what it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. He is patient with you. Not wanting anyone, not wanting anyone to perish, but that everyone, all of us, each and every one of us, would come to repentance. Our response to Christ being on the cross is this, that we must tell others the good news. Do not keep it a secret. My sins are paid for. Your sins are paid for. Our friends' sins are paid for. We are forgiven. Your sins can be forgiven. The guilt that we talked about a few weeks ago, the assurance, the love, is all available for us. Just think about it for a second. If someone was to die for you, or maybe to die for your son or daughter, wouldn't you want to know who that person was? You would want to thank them. You'd want to acknowledge them. You'd want to thank them for the sacrifice. I think about that every time I, I look at my wife's um, 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 driver's license. She wants her organs donated. And the fact that at one point, Lord forbid, that her organs would save someone else's life, if that were to happen, those people would want to know to be able to thank me or to thank our family for that sacrifice. And I'll tell you, this idea that we have to tell others the good news, this is why we exist at the Gateway Church. Ten years 
by the end of this year, we will have met 520 different weeks. Week in and week out. And we do what we do because Jesus wants to save everybody. He wants to forgive everybody. He wants everyone to make it to heaven. That's his heart. And it's his heart that motivates everything that we do. We say that we love people at the Gateway Church, and we do. We want our arms to be open, to be reaching out. That's why we continue to reach out with things like the Feed America truck this Friday morning, the blood drive this last week. I printed off a, a sheet of the results from this week. Uh, we had 15 people registered, 9 pints of blood given, which is not a huge amount, but the little neat thing that came back from our blood drive this week, it, at the bottom of the email, it said, because of your blood drive, 27 people's lives potentially have been saved. Wow! And we continue to reach out. We continue to give of ourselves. We've got a backpack drive planned right before school starts. Um, it's going to be a Wednesday night, and we're going to have all kinds of details. We want everyone to be a part of that. We're serious about missions, about reaching locally and beyond. We love people. Why do we continue to reach out? Why do we continue to give? Because we need a bigger church? No. It's because Jesus loves people. And I've got some great news. Because of some of the growth that we've experienced, God is favoring us as a church. Because of that, we're making room for more people. Just this week, we ordered 40 additional chairs. So next week, or the week after, because he said it could take up to two weeks, when you come, you can feel free to bring someone, and there will be a seat for you and whoever you bring. We're going to put these chairs in. And we do that because we love people and because God loves people. And we want to continue to grow. We want to continue to reach out. Listen, when love spoke, when Jesus spoke from the cross, he challenges us. He leaves no choice as long as one person within driving range of our church doesn't know Christ. It's our responsibility to reach out. We must continue to expand, continue to grow. I was thinking about this this week. If a church doesn't want to grow, if a church is saying, oh, we're fine with the way we are, you know what it's saying to the world? You know what it's saying to the neighbors near you, the family members that you know that don't know Jesus? It's saying you can go to hell. And that sounds pretty abrupt, but isn't that what we're saying? If we say we don't want to grow, we don't want to make room, we are here because Christ died. We are here because He was our substitute. So what happened? Let me just bring this all to a close this morning. I want to challenge us, each one of us, around each table. We understand that Jesus was our atoning sacrifice. We understand He's our substitute. What does that teach us? It teaches us that He's holy, that God is holy, that sin is ugly, that salvation is costly. We, we talked about that. What should our response be? We need to turn to Jesus. I believe. We need to be thankful, and we are we need to remember the cost when we're tempted to sin, the cost of our sin. And then we need to tell others 
the good news. And I want to land on that last piece. And I don't want you to walk away from here saying, well, that was a good message. Uh, or, or, boy, that was, you know, that was an interesting message or whatever you say. I don't know what you'll say. Uh, I want you to be challenged with that last piece. In the first 10 years of our, of our uh, church's life, God, I believe, as he looks on us, I believe he looks and says, well done. I believe that God is pleased with where we've been. Now, there's been some ups and downs, and some of you uh, are well aware of that. And we understand that. And we've made it through some difficult times. I've shared before that there was a season, uh, maybe two years ago, where we were bleeding families, bleeding people. In fact, it was Rick Ebeling, at, at one of our board members, and those board members that were there, he said, we have got to stop the bleeding. And with urgency, you remember that, Rick? And we, and we addressed some things, and we prayed, and we fasted and prayed for 21 days. And God gave us an idea, and, and from that, in the fall of 2009, we started visiting families, and God started, really, for, for, from that moment forward, we've, we've experienced some momentum that is really powerful, and we're thankful for that. In fact, I've been sharing, I was at District Council, and 15 out of the last 16 months that we've recorded, we've seen our attendance grow every single month, except one pretty incredible. And we want to continue to grow. We're asking God to continue to bless and make a way for us. I believe that God is pleased with the first 10 years. But let me say this with a measure of faith, realistic, but with faith, that our next 10 years, we are going to see exponential growth as a church. It's God's heart. It goes back to what he did for us on the cross. And if we can keep that the main thing, bringing people to the cross, we are going to have to not only add chairs, we're going to have to do other things, add services. We're gonna, we'll end up building on our property because we have the responsibility to continue to reach out. Do you feel it? I certainly do. But each of us is responsible. I'm going to ask you right now, did a little group activity earlier. This is not a group activity. This is an individual activity. This is not a husband and wife activity here in a second. This is a husband activity, a wife activity, a son activity, a daughter activity. I want you to think about someone that you know in your life that doesn't know Jesus. For some of you, it's like, boy, I could think of a lot of people. For others of you, it might be hard, and I, I can understand that. But I want you to think about someone in your life today. Maybe even to narrow the, the margins, someone in our community, someone in your neighborhood, a family member, someone you work with, someone you play golf with, or you know, you're on a league with. And what we're going to do here in the closing moments, I'm going to ask Melissa to come, is that on every table, there is an orange sheet that says prayer for salvation. And I want every single person here, 
sound guys and people in the back that don't have uh, a chair, you know, I want you to fill one out, just slide to a table, and I want you to identify, I have one here, here, here you go. I want to identify one person, not two, not, I don't want one person to fill up the eight people that they're believing for. One person, one person that you would pray that God would help you to reach them with the message of the cross. One person. And we're going to take a second. And I want you to think about who that God is putting on your heart even at this moment. And I want you to write their name. You can just put a first name. If you feel comfortable, put first and last. And we're going to collect these here in a second. And we're going to commit for the next month on Wednesday nights, we are going to bring these names before the Lord. And once you write your name on it, or once you write their name on it, Fred or Joe, whatever, then I want you to grab an orange sheet to take to remind you. It just simply says, I am praying for and will invite. There's a little catch there. We want you to bring them. We want you to be an example to invite them to church. And then I want you to take this and put it in your Bible, put it in your pocket, put it on your dash, and let God, through the power of prayer, let Him be a witness through you. Let's do that together. Just take a moment. Pass that around. One per person. If you have four people at your table, there's four names that need to be on that sheet. Those that are in the back, I want you to slide up and add your name or add a name. Uh, or we can get, a, get one in the back. Sound guys, um, Melissa, I want you to do this here in a second. Um, and then to fill this out. And let's turn this place into just a, okay, God, who is, who is it that you're putting on my heart? Let's do that. each table to come and where we're going to lay these is right on this chair that we are believing for new bottoms to fill <laughs> and so one representative we're just going to take a moment here per table and we're just going to bring up our orange sheets once everyone has filled it out
now if you haven't already, I want you to take that that half or the quarter slip, and I want you to fill out that name and put it on there. And then once you've done that, just give me the thumbs up if we're ready to move on. Take this with you. What these names represent, I don't know, maybe there's 120 of us here. We've got 136 chairs. There's a, just a handful empty uh, that are set up today. So maybe 100 or so, 110, 120. There's 100 or more names that represents our near future potential. You understand what I'm saying? Our near future potential. As God uses you in your neighborhood, in your family, at your school, and wherever you are, to fill some more chairs at the Gateway Church. Today we're celebrating the 10 years that God's given us. We've taken some opportunity to say, hey, this is where we see God at work in, in regards to our mission and vision statement. This is where we see God at work in regards to our core values. And that's exciting. We celebrate those things, right? But you know what? Today is more than just saying thank you for the past. Today is saying, God, help us in our future. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Father, I pray for these names. Moms, dads, aunts, and uncles. Friends. Co-workers. Employers. Employees. That are represented in these names. Lord, I ask that you would give us a measure of boldness. And Lord, as we commit to pray to give these names to you, Lord, we are believing for supernatural, exponential growth. Not because we want a bigger church, because we know, God, how much you love us. You love our world. You loved our world so much, say it with me, that you gave your one and only Son, that whoever would believe would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And on that note, if you're here this morning with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, you're saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure my heart is right with the Lord. If that's you this morning, don't wait another moment. If you're here this morning you don't know Jesus, would you respond just by slipping up your hand? I want to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Or... If that's you, would you respond in this moment? Let us pray with you. Let us celebrate salvation together this morning. Anyone at all? something we almost never do, I'm going to ask that you would ask the person you're sitting next to, 
just ask them a simple question. If you were to die today, do you know where you'd spend an eternity? And if they don't respond in heaven, would you be willing to pray with them? To ask God to touch their lives this morning? Why don't you just do that? Turn to the person next to you. Even if it's your husband or wife, and just let's do it together. Do you know if you were to die today, where you'd spend an eternity? after me. Say, Heavenly Father, help me to be a witness, to share the good news of you dying on the cross. Give me the boldness I need. Give me the opportunity and I will share. Help me, Lord, for your glory, for your honor. I just want to say one more thing before we dismiss. Our food is ready, and I hope and pray that you are planning on staying. What we're going to do is, for those of you that have been a part of one of our uh, celebrations, the earlier one this year, we're going to exit out of this door, grab food, and come back in. Drinks and the desserts are in the back hall, but the food is ready here. And so I'm going to pray a quick prayer um, of, uh, to bless the food. And then you're dismissed to go get your kids and then to make your way through the line. And as we sit around these tables and enjoy a meal together, let me just challenge us. Let me challenge us. Don't let someone sit by themselves. Reach out. Be someone's hands and feet. Help someone out. Sit with them. Talk with them. Engage in conversation. And I believe that God will be honored with that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.